From MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Revolution podcast. If uh, you were waited, waiting with bated breath uh, after last week's show, uh, we do have a surprise. We're back exactly one week from the last show. Normally, we're, we're every other Tuesday, but if you caught it at the end of the last show, I said, we'll see you next Tuesday, and, uh, and that was because of one reason, one reason only. The Australian Open. We uh, we were here last time during the uh, middle weekend. Recorded we re- uh, record on Sunday, so we recorded the uh, episode during middle Sunday, and we had to be back. And by we, I mean uh, the second time guest host, the second time ever listening to a podcast. He listens as he does the podcast. Uh, uh, Corey is back. Glad to have you back. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I only listen to the best podcast in the world so that's why i'm here then you're not listening to last week's is what you're saying because this is gonna be the best so savannah is on uh we sent her on uh assignment in the caribbean literally she's in the caribbean we didn't send her she's paying for it herself for reasons unrelated to this podcast but we'll see if we can get something out of her uh when she gets back next week so uh gotten the budget for that yet no no so and hopefully there's not a hurricane or something going on down there so we are back and we are back uh after witnessing history history twice two histories yeah that was a flashback to 2005 yeah no kidding so as uh again if you haven't recorded uh or watched the uh recorded uh finals or, or watched them live then uh turn away from your podcast and uh and then come back because we're going to talk about results that happened in the in the finals uh both men and women so there may be some mixed doubles talk Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, what do we have? Uh, what do we have in the exciting women's unpredictable women's final? <laughs> yes, Serena Williams capturing her fifty third uh, Grand Slam title, or twenty third, or something like that. But it could be fifty third overall with all events. I mean, she played mixed a little bit back in the day. Yeah, she won some doubles with uh, one of the Bryan brothers, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Mike that's right. or Bob or. Yes. Wayne, I think his dad maybe he threw. <laughs> she probably could have won with him too. So yeah, no kidding, um, right? But yeah, I mean that was uh, wasn't surprised that Serena made the finals, but for Venus to make the finals after you know, that many years of not even being in the top ten and well, yeah, that, that was pretty amazing. That was the exciting part. And and listen, we're not being politically correct by talking about the women's final, as you pointed out immediately as the mics went dead at the end of last week's show. You're like, why didn't we talk about women's tennis? And he scolded me, and. uh <laughs> Well, we just got off on a tangent and, you know, we don't pay attention to what we're doing. So it was sort of just something we were winging. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's the most exciting part about the whole women's uh, tournament is Venus after, you know, obviously her age and then, you know, the, the, the health problems, right. The health issues she's been dealing with, uh, her condition as right. it were, you know, she's been dealing with, with which causes havoc wreaks havoc with her energy levels and all that. So, and that doesn't just mean for a tournament, but leading in, you can't train properly. You can't right. maintain that sort of regimen that you've 
maintain throughout your career, it throws everything off. So you can't be expected to be a consi- you know consistent player at that level against players at that level. Um, and then obviously, if she gets you know has a, a bout of it during a tournament, then obviously that throws everything off. Well, and that's what they've said. They've said that some days with that, I think it's called Sjogren syndrome. You can wake up and just basically have no energy, and that doesn't really go well with a professional tennis match. So. So what you're saying is I have Sjogren's every day <laughs> of my ask life. You if you've been checked for that, yeah, uh, no energy ever. Yeah, uh, but yeah, then we don't try to go play tennis. You know, we just stay home and sleep or take a day off. We don't really have that option. Right, you know, on the pro tour, traveling around the world. She um, did get a little favorable draw. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, um, and, and some things broke the right way, et cetera. Um, but, but the men's had the same, you know, deal except for better for the most part right but it's still 128 of the best players in the world so it's not to say it broke favorably better than maybe it could have but she's still got to do you know what she's got to do and she's not ranked two in the world anymore and Um, you can only beat who you play uh, yeah right so you know if she had asked the ask bill belichick and the patriots right in their awful (laughs) division right right (laughs) it's not their fault they go six and automatically because they're horrible Division champs. Sorry, sorry. It's he's, Super he's Bowl. He's bitter from last uh, weekend. Yeah, Super Bowl's coming up. I'm a Steelers fan, and I'm still, still mad. Still <laughs> mad. But next year. But Maybe. yeah, I don't know that we'll you know ever see Venus in a final again. And I mean, she played well. It wasn't um, it wasn't the best quality match, but it not really kind of isn't really ever when they play each other. I'm sure that's got to be psychologically difficult. Yeah, and um, I you know I'm. I, I texted you when we saw both finals came up, and I said, the pro, ten- pro tennis is fixed. Right. This is ridiculous. But I think that's, you know, everybody used to have conspiracy theories back in the early days of Venus and Serena, you know, deciding, you know, Richard deciding who's going to win what match and all right. that, which, I, you know, it's fun to talk about, but, yeah. you know, absurd. And I think more of what you just said. I mean, you grew up, your best friend, your sister, you, you, your practice partner, you know, each other's games, you know, to every last detail. And now you have to go out and play her in front of hundreds of thousands and millions on TV. Of course, it's not always going to end up, you know, that's a whole nother level of psychological, you know, obstacles to overcome that maybe Federer and Nadal, they've seen each other a couple of times here and there in finals a, a lot, but not every day their entire lives and for serena basically knowing this is probably your sister's last chance ever to win a grand slam and you're going to beat her and take it away from her that can't be that satisfying even though i mean obviously she wants to win but it's just i don't know how she'd be satisfied with that i Uh, do i do get the sense that she probably has confidence that she'll win another one right you know i think i think obviously you're the best player in the world and well she was number two before the tournament started but I still think she had, had some sense that, hey, this you never know when this opportunity will come back again. So, it, who you know, even if she was playing Oracine, that's her <laughs> mother, uh, you know, she's going to try to win it. So right. I don't um, – but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure dashing her sister – and you could see the disappointment on Venus's face. I mean, it was a mixed oh, bag. Yeah. I mean, she's thrilled for her sister breaking – you know, or not breaking, but surpassing Steffi and then – at the same time, but wait a second, <laughs> this yeah. was this was it. I, everything, all the stars aligned perfectly. Is that ever going to happen again? And that's what's always kind of awkward about those post-match you know, interviews is that you have to be gracious to your opponent and you know, talk about how thankful you are for your team helping you and that kind of thing. Well, it's different when it's your sister 
Um, so that just adds another element. Well, it's actually real. Right. Yeah, as opposed to, yeah, man, <laughs> a I, really lot of wish, I really wish uh, you could have won, but since you couldn't, I did. Right. But in this time, it's actually true. Right, right. Yeah. No, although I think moving to the men's, I think Federer does have a healthy respect for Nadal, and he's, he should. Right. Because a lot of, there was a lot of finals there in that middle period of his uh, his run, of Federer's run, that Nadal kicked his ass. So yeah. so he has to. It's not just kind of one of those things where uh, he might have clipped me once, but I beat him everywhere but the French. No. Uh, once Nadal beat him at Win- Wimbledon, it was you knew it was a done deal right. that, that he that had. Pattern. Yeah, that Nadal had Federer's number. And I just think all the factors with Nadal, his age, but also the injuries coming off uh, both physically, kind of slowing him down, but also just not being as sharp or whatever the case may be um that that was i think what made the difference i mean Federer played great but uh it wasn't a hundred percent at all right and you know people have been saying for years and by people i mean me that how can it all play this style of play you know at age 28 30 32 and at some point you just can't play that style of play and and last and, and beat the best players right and i think that was a little bit of what happened is just you're a step slower you're not getting as many balls back. You're leaving the balls a little bit shorter. They're not bouncing as much spin. And and Federer was able to take advantage of that. Why that's not happening to Federer, I don't know. But well, it happens to everybody else but him. Barely take advantage. I mean, it was a five-star. Right. Yeah. So uh, an exciting finish. Um, a good five-setter, which uh, probably 10% of people actually saw. <laughs> now, I gave it the old college try. I was like, you know... Stretching out, getting everything ready. You know, I was on the couch. So I didn't keep everybody in the house. Well, you know, so I just was uh, out coffee. in the living room. Why, why, no, I, didn't, I don't drink coffee, actually. But uh, but so, you know, and uh, so we get to 2.30 or 2.35 or whenever it kind of started. And uh, I don't think I made it through the first set. Um, so I'm impressed you were up for the start of that. I gave it a whirl. I gave it. I mean, if it would have been Wawrinka and Djokovic or Murray and you know, whoever. Right. I, I probably wouldn't have. But I think. Under the circumstances, I was going to give it give it the old try. Well, and the, the disadvantage you and I have is we're both into tennis so much. You know, we're the first person that people want to talk to when the match is over. Oh, man, did you see that match? It was so great. And so if we record it like most people might and try to watch it, we're not going to make it through. Right. We have to go. Hearing. Right. We have to, to time warp to 1984 <laughs> right. when uh, the, Beta well, the best way you keep keep out of seeing the results is you don't read the newspaper <laughs> the next day okay so Corey, now a newspaper is this thing okay made out of paper all right now paper is this stuff that what they do is they take wood pulp from trees yeah i haven't heard of either of those now trees are these things <laughs> they're kind of like bushes they're taller um yeah so that was that was a lot easier to dodge people back then because the, oh know, yeah the phone on the wall rang and you just didn't answer it but now you hear your phone buzz and the first thing you see when you look at it is a text from your idiot saying, man, Fetter really dominated that fifth set. That right. was amazing. And you're screwed. Right. So, And, yeah, I don't uh, – I mean, I guess the benefit of now is obviously we still get to watch it taped, which you couldn't have back then. But So nobody would have watched it at all. Now well, we the, got, the good news is you don't have any friends. Well, so yeah, I mean, that's always been a positive. That, help, <laughs> that, helps, every, that helps everything. So you can kind of watch everything in peace. No, but you're right. It was uh, – it, it's dodging landmines trying not to find results – in this situation now how did you do did you try to even stay up or you know i was up but i was unlike you i was afraid to turn it on because i said if i turn it on and it's going like it's gonna be really exciting i'm not gonna be able to turn it off and then i'm just gonna die at work uh the next day right so and couldn't. and come here and have an awful podcast right which um, you know it's awful enough already right uh, so i didn't want to 
ruin that. That's a secret cry for help out there, fans. Okay, he needs some uh, reassurement that uh, reassurement's not a word, but I, I also need some reassurement that I'm doing a good job. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I wanted to watch it, but I just there's no way to watch a two thirty match. You've turned me, you've turned my opinion from last week about the Australian. You want to? The idea yeah. is right. Maybe when you were in college. Right. And you didn't care because the next day you could just blow yeah. off class and sleep all day. It's different. When you have a five-day week and you can do whatever you want on the weekends. Right. That's great. Right. Now you're, now you're in the real world. The tennis world is dependent upon you <laughs> showing up. Uh, yeah. So, But I'm it, curious how many people woke up to see the tail end of it because it was pretty early even for a Sunday. Uh, I think it ended about 6.15. Right. 7.15 Eastern time. So that would have been pretty early to wake yeah, up Yeah, definitely. The East Coast gets a better, better deal over there. Um we get them on football because I right. think noon start time for the early game is uh, immeasurably better than one and right. four. I like noon and three, and the evening games on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays. I mean, you're in bed at a normal right. time. It's fan- right. you know. Whereas on the East Coast, you get a good long, oh, yeah. one of those you know West Coast offense type games where everything's a pass, the clock never stops. You know, you're you're going past midnight. No right. thanks. I'm an old man. I can't do that. So, um, <laughs> and, and every game is decided in the last five minutes. So you have right. to stay up to the end. So I think we we've got them on that. Uh, by the way, yeah, I will tell you who's got the the, the West Coast. Is, uh, Ten a.m. football games are horrible. That was horrible. But I was there actually uh, last month, and it was nice being done with the afternoon games. And it was like still light outside. I was like, wow, I can go do something tonight. Right. But if my Steelers are playing at ten a.m. Being drunk by ten fifteen is not <laughs> is not advisable. That sounds pretty horrible. Yeah. So you you know you wake up, you have some pancakes and beer. That's not that's <laughs> not what we're that's not a good good thing. So, but uh, yes, yeah, so I like the central time zone for uh, for NFL. But the East Coast guy has us a little bit on the Australian and a little bit really on on Wimbledon too. So yeah, and, and French. Yeah, every every tournament, but. Uh, you know, I didn't stay up for it, but I definitely watched uh, a lot of it, the whole tournament. And there were some great matches. Federer played three five-setters in a row after not playing a tournament for right. six months. Well, I saw a tweet uh, um, from and- Andy Roddick congrat- congratulating his friend, this, that, and the other, and obviously congratulating Nadal on, on you know, being one of the greatest ever. Right. And uh, He made a comment that I think is probably fantastic, and that's um, probably – what enabled Better and Adal to do what they did. And uh and we'll talk about what that tweet was when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're back. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, online stalking Andy Roddick, I saw a couple of tweets he sent out congratulating uh, the the champion Federer and the finalist uh, Nadal, and saying how proud he is of Federer and what a great job and so on and so forth. And uh, he had one other comment that I thought was real interesting, and I think is an indicator, and probably a lot of players feel this way, and it's an indicator, I think, of what I think should happen um, somehow. I know it'd be a complex process, but let me tell you what the tweet was. He said, see what a month or more of time off can do. 
Right. You know, in other words, if Federer would have played two, two or three tournaments leading into the Australian and made it deep, he wouldn't have won. He right. wouldn't have won. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're going to take a month off after that match or pretty close, and, you know, that's what happens. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't think the tennis season will ever be shortened. They talk about that a lot. And one of the reasons I heard of why it won't be is this is the last week in Australia where there's no school. Right. So they're never going to push that tournament back any later. Now you could make the end of the season in the fall a little bit earlier. Uh, that I think is a possibility, but right. Um, like, I don't know why we can't just do the year end tournament two weeks after the U S open and then we're done. Right. Well, and, and so I, I, first of all, I think he's right. I think if, if better or Nadal would have played a ton of tournaments leading up, this wouldn't happen. Right. And it'll be interesting if you start seeing players do that, you know, instead of playing two or three warm-up tournaments for a major, they just play, you know, one and get a couple matches in. And, of course, none of the warm-up tournaments want that, the U.S. Open right. Series and all that. But Right. Well, something that I adv- I've advocated uh, on this podcast before was a restructuring of the tour and having more of a U.S. Open Series, and but for the other Grand Slams as well. Now, the tricky part is right. the Australian because they won't move. Right. The other tricky part is Wimbledon because they're direct. I mean, it's so soon after the French that it's it's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, but if you had, you know, a, a Grand Slam preceded by, you know, immediately preceded by, uh, you know, a 500 level, and then a couple smaller tournaments, right. and then the first tournament of that series was also another 500 level tournament, or whatever the hell they call them yeah. now. I don't know, gold or whatever they used to be, Master Masters Shields and all. Them. Remember they were the Masters, yeah, whatever. Yeah, is it 1,000? Virginia Slims. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, Masters 1,000 is the biggest one besides okay. the Grand Slams. But they're not called Masters 1,000s, are they? I thought they still were, but I maybe they aren't. Anyway, right. So let rephrase that then. So a thousand. So so you would have. For the U.S. Open Series, you'd have a thousand smaller tournaments in whatever capacity and wh- however they're right. now. Like D.C. is a really small one. Yeah. You got New Connecticut, Haven. right? Exactly. And then you'd have another thousand level right before, and then the Grand Slam. So you'd have kind of two bookend big yeah. ones, smaller ones in the middle that people would kind of drop in, and then the Grand Slam. And they'd do that for each one, uh, or maybe just one of the tournaments would be a one thousand. Right. Maybe you have smaller ones easing into. Yeah, the week before, at least. Maybe. Right, right. Uh, like Monte Carlo would be the big one prior to the French. Right. Or maybe mix it in somewhere in that. I don't I don't really care about that. I don't yeah. care what order it goes in. Sometime before. You'd have a thousand and then a Grand Slam and then other smaller ones mixed in based on what, what tournaments are in there now, who sponsors, you know, so on and so forth. And the Australia would be hard because, like you said, that's the big deal. They don't want to push it any further into... February. This right. is it. Or further into January, going into February. And then the French, I, you know, I don't know what their deal is. Um, yeah, they're maybe just dealing with the weather. Uh, right. Probably wanting it to not be too cold, I guess. And there's got to be enough time in between the French and Wimbledon. Um, but, I mean, there could always be more time between those. I think the players would appreciate it and have an actual grass court season. You know, season. That, yeah. You know, it, you always think about what is the best surface. And what's the best tournament? I mean, my my favorite tournament out of the Grand Slams is the U.S. Open. Right. I like hard courts. I mean, I grew actually. I didn't grow up on hard court. To be honest with you, I first started playing on a on a green clay, so American clay, as they uh, affectionately I say that sarcastically, <laughs> yeah. affectionately refer to it. Right. They don't like our hard true. Um. But uh, but I started on that. But still, I I like the hard court game. Right. 
I think it lends itself to all, you know, clay quarters can play it, grass court, you yeah. know, net rushers can play it. All, right. You know, it's a versatile kind of down the middle of the road. Sir. Plus, you have a lot more leeway in terms of making a hard court slower or faster or somewhere in the middle. So you can have a wider range right. of surface when you when you have hard court. And the the at, I'm an American for Pete's sake, so the 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 whole the time. At, well, the whole app. Well, that of course that. Right. I mean, you know, if I li, you know if I went to the Australian Open, I still it wouldn't be my you know. So, <laughs> um, but the mentality of the U.S. Open too. I mean, it's a little more in your face. New oh, York yeah. City night matches, the crowd, you know, yelling and hollering. You know, Serena wearing cat suits, right. whatever. Yeah. You know, American players do well. It's American, yeah. Um, so that that's my favorite service but every time and the the next tournament comes up or then next play court you know the season starts i'm like man i did clay you know right. it's, uh, yeah. so i think what it boils down to is i like all the surfaces for all the different reasons right um theoretically grass should be super fast uh, yeah. uh, it you know over the years they've talked about it being slower than it has been before which is why somebody like nadal can win without even right. coming to the net Hewitt and- right but you know, and the clay is pretty, you know, going to be slow. But, uh, but you know, I just like seeing the different surfaces force, theoretically force different styles. Now, hopefully they'll speed up the grass and slow down the clay so we can see a real divergent, you know, um, look to both both tournaments. What do you, what do you, what do you, I mean, you play on hard courts mostly, right. but what, I mean. Oh, I would love to see more tournaments on different surfaces. Uh, I think it's just. Even right now, they go back and forth between clay and hard. You know, during the year, and I don't think that makes any sense. I think it would just be better to have them, you know, three months on each, right? Or I guess two months on each, and then you have that that break. But I think it doesn't make sense even to have the year end tournament always on hard court. I don't think that's right. fair for the players and right. know, that kind of thing. But right. but yeah, I just think uh, they're trying to kind of homogenize the game, and I don't understand why. Because uh, to me, the different styles of player was fun to watch, especially with the history of the game too. I mean, nothing used to be on hard, you know, yeah. <laughs> virtually nothing used to right. be on hard court. Um, I, yeah, we, you get excited about the idea of the French Open season or the clay court season starting. All of South America comes alive, you know, because yeah. they, all their players are going to do better. But then you wedge in a couple of hard court tournaments out in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I what are we doing in California? Their weather's perfect all the time. Yeah. Why do we have to have it now? Well, and would you consider, would you tie in the seating, you know, of those grand slams into only yes. this series? I think yes. that would make the players more yes. interested in playing. I, I, that's number one. Right. That, that, um, well, no, I don't actually, what's number one is I think it's more indicative of who's going to do well in the tournament. Right. Because if Federer comes in number one in the world into the French, why is he the one seed? Yeah. Rafa's going to kick his ass. Yeah. Rafa's going to roll through that draw and win his 19th right. straight. So, so I think you're exactly right. You you almost instead of having that, you know, points race, which they tried to do a little bit. I don't even know if they still do it. Where they yeah, where, where they, nobody really keeps up with it. Right. But if if they had a series race, and seeding was based on it, now it's a lot. It, it, and look, we're talking about taking breaks and 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 shortening the season. There's still mandatory tournaments, and there's others that aren't. So, right. you know, make the Grand Slam and the thousand of that series, make those mandatory, right. and maybe one other one, and that's it. Well, and I don't care who you are, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, you don't want to go into a Grand Slam unseated or lower seated because right. that's going to make it a lot harder for you in the first week. Right. And if we do, and if we spread out the tournaments a little bit and condensed each, you know, uh, surface series, you know, so the, the, the French Open series, 
and maybe left a little bit of time in between, then you have that rest naturally built in. Right. Uh, and, and again, some of the smaller tournaments, not everybody would go to. Yeah. Um, if you had six tournaments on each surface, each meaning Australia and U.S. Open being two different surfaces, even though they're similar, I mean, that's 24 tournaments, which is probably about the average of what the pros play you know, every year. Right. But right now, everybody's playing maybe two on grass, and you know the majority are on hard court, unless you're targeting clay like Nadal or some of these right. uh, you know, South American or European players do. And I just think you could, you know, play every service equally, and it gives everybody an equal shot too at, at succeeding. Right, right, yeah. Um, if you have, yeah, I mean, there have been times when Federer would lose as the one seed that are fine. I mean, just because you're one doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win. But going in as the one, knowing you're not the favorite, right? You know, like Sampras at the French. Well, well, that <laughs> that's a perfect example. Yeah. Is is and he never won it. Right. And uh yeah, didn't make a final, did he? Uh I think he lost the semis is the best yeah. he's ever done, I believe. And and it all was the one seed. I mean it all did win Wimbledon, but he was probably the one seed there a couple times. Right. Uh, when you know early so, right. so it's I don't like the idea of going purely off rankings for the year. Right. Uh, for seedings. I never have, but that is the one objective way to do it. But if you had this system in place it would still be objective. Right. It would you, be objective. As a matter of fact, it's almost like qualifying. Right. I mean you qualify for your seed, basically. And you know, I, I, you know, still, you, I think you, you take the world rankings for acceptance into the tournament. You don't want to leave a right. guy out at the bottom end of a one twenty eight draw. You know, leave a top hundred guy out because he did bad right. in the series. I think that might be going a little too far. Um, but I think seeding for sure is uh, a reasonable because now you're playing on the surface. And again, the one difference I guess that the U.S. Open series has for sure is that it is the exact surface, the same color, the same, right. you know, paint, exactly the same, you know, mixture of sand or what yeah. it's supposed to be. It's right. supposed to be the exact same surface all the way through. Um, and so it, it it is indicative of how you're going to, theoretically, how you're going to play on that surface. Yeah. I guess the downside is for, like, this tournament, for example, does that mean Federer and Dahl come in unseated? Because they didn't play any of the warm-up tournaments. Uh, if they're coming off an injury or do they have, you know, that's the, I guess, the question. Well, I would want to throw this system we're talking about, just throw it onto the current structure right. of the year. So, I mean, I think you would have to make some changes. Like you said, the U.S. Open finishes, and two weeks later, we're giving out the little trophy for the best final eight or whatever. Right. Um, and then that's it. Yeah. And then they, they start back, you know, maybe the tail end of December. Right. Maybe, whatever. I yeah. don't know. And then, and then that's it. And, so they would have more time off in between yeah. and then, you know, holidays and then whatever else and then come back. And so they've got that built-in injury healing time anyway. Right. So they wouldn't have to do it the way they did it, you know, just kind of based on how they were feeling. It, it would be built in. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't shoehorn this system into what we have now. It, it, everything would kind of have to shift a little bit. Right. Which is why it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't have, you know, with soccer you have – you know, basically FIFA is the world, you know, body. So if you're, yeah. if you're a player from some random, you know, town in, you know, some Eastern European country playing in a league out there, it's governed by FIFA. So right. if you punch somebody in the face, you are in trouble from FIFA. So you can't then, if you're suspended for 10 games and then you get, you know, sent on loan to some team in the MLS here, you know, the Dallas, you know, team here, FC Dallas, you can't disappear from that. It all counts together. Right. So it's a little more governed 
from the top from a, a one group. Whereas these tournaments, they they're in control of all, of a lot of things, um, and so well, they they're not going to be dictated to on on necessarily right. on on what to do. Well, and the fact that you have a lot of tournaments with women only and men only, then that's another issue, right? Uh, with you know what events you can have certain week and some events that are successful, they're not going to want to move them. Right. You know, this event is popular. Why are we going to change it? Especially, so, especially tournaments in that U S open series. Right. I mean, tennis is barely hanging on in this country anyway, right. so we don't need messing with sponsors and, and throwing everything into a, you know, into a tizzy because of our brilliant idea. I mean, and I it, think every tournament will benefit from having men and women at the same event. They've, they've done, you know, studies on that, but, that's going to involve canceling events, well, I mean, and moving a, events, and yeah. locations, and well, there's a reason they call Miami the fifth Grand Slam, right? Because it's both, mm-hmm. and it's it's such a big tournament, and they, you know, and usually the best players and all that show up, right? But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to you know talk about if I was king for a day, but are they going to listen to us? Well, and how do you get people to follow those tournaments? I mean, I guess that's that's the hard part is. Yeah, I think if you make the seeding part of it, that is a reason to follow. Oh man, Djokovic's got to win right. this match, or he's not going to be right. in the top eight at the right. You, you know. have that, well, you know, and and what they did when they had that uh, that points race, they still had their normal point situation at the same time it was a parallel point structure right. or whatever. And you're right, nobody cared about the points race. Yeah, it was all about where you ranked in the world in the normal system. Right. But this could be something that goes parallel with. The, the normal point system, but it means something different. Yeah. It's not, they're not trying to reinvent the 12 month rolling calendar. You know, it, that's still in place based on where you're ranked, but this is just for, like you said, seating, which is hugely right. important. I mean, does anybody want to be on Djokovic's side or, right. you know, two years ago, did anybody want to be on his side? No, you'd rather be the two and let him be the right. one. Um, well, maybe you keep the same top 32 ranked players, whatever the year in or, or, 12-month list are, and then from that, you rank them 1 to 32 based on that seating list we're talking about. Oh, yeah. So then the same 32 players get in, but it, then the order is different. That's a nice, yeah. Because uh, yeah. then an injury doesn't mess them up. And This you know. is why I have you right here, <laughs> right now. That's that's a good addendum because, yeah, now you're, not, it out. Well, now you're not totally just screwing with them and yeah. it's all just a, a crapshoot. It's if you're ranked top 32 in the world, you're still going to be, you know, whatever. Right. Because unless but, you're seated, then you're not playing on the seed the first two matches no matter what. Right, right. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. God, you're a genius. Uh, yeah, a tennis I, genius. I hear that all the time. Right. <laughs> so, uh, well, all right. We've solved uh, the world's problems, and uh, it's time to – I feel like we could talk about it forever. It's so much better having another person to talk <laughs> with. I wish Savannah was here, um, but she hopefully will be back next week with some stories of uh, delight and sunshine from the Caribbean. And uh, – Anything you got you want to say? You want to give a plug to your your club over there and tell all the people listening in the DFW area to come see you? Yes, come see me. Uh, there's a big pro tournament coming to Dallas, and I'm actually trying to get some of those players to come see me and hang out with me and hit with me and teach me how to play. And maybe uh, get them out here on the podcast. That's huh? right. Yeah, it starts. So we have a we have a is, what is it a 75k 100k 100k challenger Ooh-wee. in Dallas 100k so. 100k challenger right here in the DFW area. So if you're in the DFW area, it's at, uh, do, I should say the name, right? T-bar, sure, yeah, it's at the T-Bar M Racket Club. Sure they club. would love it. Well, they're, they're, you know, they're somewhat, I mean, they're a competing club with you. Right. Not exactly, but, you know, I want to give them any love. If right. uh, It's going to take lessons out of your pocket there, buddy. Um, but, yeah, so it's a it's a pretty good brand of tennis. And this is something I said on a, on, a, on a podcast 
you know, a while back is that you don't have to wait for the U.S. Open to come on to watch tennis. There's so much amazing tennis within an hour's drive of you most of the time, whether it be college or, you know, Division One. Right. you know, is a really high level. It's not the pro level, but I would venture that most regular folks couldn't tell the difference between the number one player in college and a guy who's 200 in the world. And then you couldn't tell the difference between a guy that's 200 in the world and a guy that's top 30 in the world. Right. Uh, if you didn't know who they were. Oh, yeah. um, and so the challenger circuit, the, the USTA pro circuit, as it were, that's uh, what it comes under. The men's and the women's is under that uh, for the tournaments in the U.S. And they directly link to all the other pro tournaments. They directly link to the U.S. The same points they're getting in the U.S. Open they're getting at TBRM this week. Right. And That's consistently, a, those are players that are that have been in majors or will be in majors and right. you've seen on TV if right. you keep up with tennis. So. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, you know, I ran a pro tournament way back and there was a couple of different players that ended up being top 30 that went through that one year. And I was like, oh, he looks pretty good. And he ended up being top right. 30, you know. Um, so you're going to see those players. And more and more, hopefully, we'll see college players kind of follow that same pathway. Right. It's uh, starting to happen a little it, may, it might be an anomaly, but I hope it's something that continues. So, All right, Corey, I hope you had a good time again. I did. Thank I'm gonna you. I'm going to ask you back next time. This, this, uh, the, the next podcast will come out the following Tuesday, so we'll skip a Tuesday. That's our normal broadcast schedule. But with the, with the Australian Open, we thought we'd drop in and say hello for everybody and give more genius thoughts. We want to build the anticipation. That's our yeah, goal. That, that's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. So, all right. Thanks for everybody uh, joining the tennis revolution again. Uh, we'll be back uh, in two weeks. So skip a Tuesday and then look for us again. And uh, don't forget to check out our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com. If you are a tennis player, tell all your teammates about this show. If you're a coach, tell your players um, and uh, spread the word. Because again, our sport does not have the voice that it deserves in this country. And uh, we're just trying to be a small part of that. All right. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Bye.